Amen. So how many are ready for the word? No, make it sound like you are. Really. Okay. Ah, that's better. That's better. Amen. Y'all were supposed to clap during the offering, too. You missed that. What happened? All right. So the title of this message, we're going to have fun today, The Price is Right. Free iPads, new cars, we're going to, you're going to be glad you came today. We'll show the rest of them. Amen. No, the price is right. I want to talk about the price. You know, the Lord has, has given us this vision coming out of covid and it's kind of summarized with those three words beginning with the letter T, that we're supposed to be a tent. Say tent. We're supposed to be a table. Gather around the table, and we go out to the turf. That's the earth. I had to get another T, so, I had it. so it's turf. So it's, so it's tent, table, turf. Tent representing the worship. We gather around the table of community, and we go out. We're not called to just sit here. We're not called to just come to church on Sunday. We're called to go out and, and be salt and light to this world. And we've been talking about Jesus visiting the temple. And the message has been kind of rough because he's been visiting. He's been looking around. He's been checking out the church, as it were. And I think, you know, God didn't send COVID, but he's used COVID. And, and, and to some degree, COVID's been a judgment on the church as probably 30% of the church world is gone. They're not coming back. And we're, we're seeing, you know, people that perhaps were never really with us. By, by us, I mean the church in general. They weren't really with us anyway. They were just kind of there for the entertainment. And they figured they could be entertained at home in bed. They could just watch it on TV. Worship at St. Mattress, right? And just, just, just stay home. And, and, and they, st they still think they're Christians and going to heaven. Well, I, yeah, I hope so. G Jesus didn't leave a TV when he left. He left a church. He left a community of believers. He left a family. Amen. And I know there's some people say, well, I don't like those people. Well, you know, why would you go to hell? And spend all eternity with those hypocrites. Get in the church and show us how to be real. How about that? Show us how to be real. Let's see if you can do it. Amen. Yeah. I'm, I'm angry today. It's going to be a rough message. I see that right now. So, so um, uh, I've been living with this scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. All this week, uh, I read it Thursday night, and I want to read it to you again. And this is from the message, and I want you to hear this because th this is, I think, where we're at right now, the church world. He said, so don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. If those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it, what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings. How many have heard some heavenly warnings? There's more preachers preaching on the end times than I think I've ever heard in my lifetime. His voice that time shook the earth to its foundations this time. 
He's told us this quite plainly. He'll also rock the heavens. How many know there's a shaking going on? One last shaking from top to bottom, stem to stern. Come on, sailors. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough house cleaning. Getting rid of all the historical and religious junk. And I'm going to say hysterical too. So that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Oh, this is a powerful, 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 powerful. That's it. It's time to get rid of the religious junk. And all the clutter in the church. And go back to the basics. Let's figure out what's really important to God instead of what's important to everybody else. Anybody with me? It's not a popular message, but I'm, I'm not that popular anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to preach it if that's all right. And I, I've been wanting to do this for about a year, over a year now. And we did it many years ago. I didn't even go back and look at it. But it's time to preach a series on the tabernacle. Because the tabernacle gives the pattern. The Mo, I'm talking about Moses' tabernacle. Of course, David's does too. But Moses' tabernacle, God was very clear. Moses, I'm going to give you clear instructions. And this is how I want you to build it. And don't, I mean, right down to the cubic, I want everything built according to the pattern. God actually, I don't know, he took him to the top of that mountain, set up a little TV with a DVD player, and said, this is how it's supposed to look, built according to a pattern. It was a tent in the middle, in the middle of the wilderness. God is a tent. The tent now is the body of Jesus Christ. Jesus decided that he would come to earth and inhabit a tent, a body. And now we're the body, and he inhabits us. So let's take a look at this. And there's so much. I mean, you could preach uh, several sermons on each, each of the seven pieces of furniture. We, we obviously don't have time to, to hit all the highlights, uh, to hit everything. But let's, uh, hopefully, yeah, we got a picture of the tabernacle itself. It was about uh, uh, 75 foot by 150 foot. I've, if I remember this sanctuary, I think it's 120 by 100. Is that right? Melvin's here. Where's Melvin? Is that right? 100, 120 by 100, is that right? Pretty close. <laughs> okay, that'll work. So you can see uh, how that, that, uh, that sanctuary is a little bit longer but not as wide, and, and that's, that's that whole area, and you see that fenced-in area. You can't just wander in from anywhere you want to wander in, and in spite of what the feel-good people want to preach to you. 
I mean, I, you know, I want to be seeker sensitive, but the point of the matter is there's a fence around this baby. Amen. You may not like Trump, but fences work. I told you I was angry today. I was. The spirit of Trump's coming on me. <laughs> scary. Oh, that would be scary. I don't know about that. So, so you see, the, and it's a white linen. It's white linen, and white linen represents righteousness and holiness. That thing's surrounded by holy. You can't go in unless you're holy. <laughs> and, but, but there is a door. There is a gate. And you see that little red thing there in the front? There was a gate there at the beginning, and you could go in through that gate. But that was the only. Isn't it interesting that Jesus would come many years later? And he would say, he said, there is only one way in through. There's only one door. Remember, Jesus said that. And anyone else who tries to get in is a thief and a robber. You can't, you can't sneak in, but you're just a thief and a robber. What, what, what did he mean by that? What are they stealing? They're stealing the glory. They're saying, I can get myself in. No, you can't. Amen. You can only come in through his glory, through his door, and the door is Jesus Christ. There is only one way. Hello? That's what makes the world mad. They don't really care if we're, if, if we're a Christian as long as we're not exclusive. As long as we don't leave anybody out. Well, I'm sorry. We love everybody, but there's only one way to heaven. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Wow. Oh, we're going to see those patterns of three all through this thing as we go through it. Amen. So the next several Sundays you need to get here so you can get through every piece of furniture. But we go through the gate and, and uh, you know, all, all the beautiful, there's so much, there's every color means something. Every fabric, every material thing. I mean, and not just means something, but it all points to Jesus. Now Moses didn't know it when he was doing it. But looking back at it now, we see every color, every fabric, all the materials, everything that was given, everything that was put together, it's all, it's all pointing to Jesus Christ. You know what's really cool about this is it, it costs a lot of money. There's a lot of gold in here. There's a lot of fabric that, you know, we... We kind of write off today, but it was very expensive to get back then. Anything that's colored costs a lot of money to dye it. You can't go to Walmart and buy a little bottle of dye. Amen. Generally, some shellfish or something had to die for you to get that color. Come on. It's expensive. The blues, the purples, the reds, it's expensive. So the, it begs the question, where do slaves get the money to build such a thing? Well, you know the story. For some reason, some spirit came over the Egyptians, and as they're leaving, they're saying, not only get out of here, but here, I'll pay you to go. The Bible says they borrowed. 
And I put that in quotes because they never paid that baby back. Hello. They, 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 they never paid that money back. So I'm not sure exactly what they mean by borrow, but, 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 but they took money from the Egyptians. And you say, well, I don't know if that's right. I, why would God do such a thing? Well, uh, you need to remember that they were slaves. They worked without pay for 400 years. This is the first, you know, I guess we got to believe in reparations. Come on, church. Don't, don't get quiet on me now. He went back 400 years and said, you know what? Every hour, every day, your, 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 your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-grandfather, going all the way back, I'm taking all their wages and I'm giving it to you as you I'm telling you, when you get saved, God deposits in your spiritual bank account everything the devil's stolen from you until the point you got saved. Oh, praise God. Well, if that doesn't excite you, you're just not living right. Amen. Reparations. Reparations. Only one door. Only one door. And that, that is the door of praise. That is the door. Because this is what the psalmist is talking about in Psalms 100 and verse 4. Right? He says, enter. Say, Enter. What gate is he talking about? He's talking about the temple. He's talking about Moses' tabernacle. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, not grumbling and complaining. And into his courts, you saw the court, into his courts with praise. Come on, there's an attitude you need to have when you come to the house of God. I've told this story before in, my, in the first church that I pastored in Tennessee. My office overlooked the parking lot. And nobody thought about it, but I could see them coming in to church. I'm glad I'm back here now. I don't see anyone parking anywhere. <laughs> I don't even see you guys. I don't see you back there. And I would sit there at my desk, and I'd see... Moms and dads and kids and moms and dads just fussing. Looks on their faces I've never seen in church. Angry, mad. I'll tell you, beating their kids back when you could beat your kids. That was a long time ago. Spanking kids, kids crying. And then, and then I come out of the office and I greet them coming in the door. Good morning, Pastor. And the kids are like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They fought all the way to church. Maybe some of you fought on the way to church. Amen. Uh, you know, but we, we need to come into his presence. It's not about sitting there and saying, well, bless me if you can. Well, we'll see what the preacher's got today. Well, I, uh, I don't like that song. It, well, they sang that one too many 
That's not how you come into his presence. It's not an attitude that says, well, here I am. Bless me if you can. You know, like, like you have to be worthy or that, that, that we have to be worthy of your presence. It's not about you. It's all about him. Amen. It doesn't matter what your little stinky attitude is. We need to come into the house of God with thanksgiving and praise. It's the way you enter his presence. Mm. Wow, praise the Lord. Anybody happy in the Lord? Oh, yes, 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 yes. So you come in, and the first piece of furniture, the first of seven pieces, is the brazen altar. The brazen altar. It was about seven and a half feet by seven and a half feet, four and a half feet high. And this is where they put the animals on to offer the sacrifices up. Where did the animals come from? You brought them. You thought it was hard bringing your kids. <laughs> you had to bring, you got little cages of doves and you get pigeons and, and maybe, you know, depending on your sin, some of you brought bulls. <laughs> yeah, you had a major sacrifice that day. And, and so you bring these animals and you bring them in to this outer court and you give it to the priest. You must, you, must bring, you must bring an offering. That's what it means. We think now that, well, that just means money in the plate. No, it means you had, you had to bring something and it was supposed to be first fruits. Not last fruits, not what's left over. You would bring your first fruits to the Lord. And that, that meant your, your, your best calf. That, that meant the one that was supposed to go to the fair to get the ribbon for. That's the one you bring. That's the one you give up. Because I want you to catch this. If you don't catch this, you'll miss the whole thing. Worship requires sacrifice. It's not about music or dancing it's not about feeling good. All that happens, all that, you know, we get those, we, all the emotions. Some cry, some weep, some dance, some whatever, some got real quiet. You know, all, all the range of emotions. But the fact of the matter is you're really not worshiping if you're not sacrificing. There has to be a sacrifice. It reminds me of Abraham and Isaac going up to the mountain, and, he, and, and, and he's got the knife, and he's got the wood, and he's got the fire. And Isaac looks at him and says, hmm, hmm, where's the sacrifice? I think God's asking the church, you're coming in with your knives. You got your wood. You want a little emotional fire, but where's your sacrifice? Because fire falls on the sacrifice. You got to have something to burn. And if you will just permit me to get this picture in your mind of that poor little lamb, and there's a knife, and they slit the throat of the, of the lamb. And the blood comes gushing out, 
But as it comes out of the lamb, it goes into you. And there's your salvation. Oh, Pastor, you're, you're being kind of bloody today. Yeah, it's a bloody religion. And I know there's people that don't like that, and they're trying. There, there are preachers now that will not preach the blood. We, we got to relate to the world, and we, we can't be talking about blood. We don't want them to think they have to sacrifice anything. But yet Romans 12.1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present you're the sacrifice. You don't have to bring anything because Jesus paid the price, but yet for worship to be effective, you have to get on the cross with him. For... Amen. You're not paying for anything. You're not, you're not buying your salvation. You're not even buying a blessing. You're just saying, Jesus, I want to relate to you. I want to hang with you. I know this is not a shout and woo kind of sermon. But if we get this, it will transform us. Isaac looks at his dad, his father. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide a sacrifice. My, oh, I feel it. Hallelujah. And as he raises the knife, willing to, willing to take, he said, how in the world can you? Well, in that culture, this was normal. People did this all the time. You got you to understand the culture of the time. People sacrifice children a lot. They do it today. It's called abortion. Oh, but, but they're not, they're not, uh, they're in the womb. Really? Does five minutes make a difference in the life? And now, I, I, God, I hope it doesn't get passed. But there's, there's, there's a law. California's trying to pass a law. And it's kind of kind of vague, but uh, you know, the, the, it, it's there when you read fine print that you can actually abort. I mean, you could kill a baby thirty days or twenty days after it's born. Well, I never heard about Maryland, but there's there's a law in California that's in Mar in California. It's thirty days. I guess there's one in Maryland. I never thought I'd live to see that. I mean, it is, yeah, bails back. I never thought, I never thought they would be able to cross that line. And maybe the laws don't, won't get passed. But just the idea that a politician would actually think he would have the support to actually bring it to the floor. That's scary. It's the world we're living in, and I promise you nothing angers God more than when we kill life, helpless people. 
He's always on the side of the helpless. Aren't you glad? Because one day you were that helpless person. You were that person that no one could help. You were that person that needed salvation. And nobody can help you out of your situation. God is drawn to the helpless. He's drawn to the hopeless. He's drawn to those who can't take care of themselves. He's drawn to those who have no future. My God is drawn to us. And he's... His heart is towards us. And I tell you, when you start killing innocent babies in the womb, you have crossed the line. And believe me, there will be a price. I believe we're at that tipping point. Abraham Lincoln. I, I love, I've, I've read books on him through the years. Studied it. What, what an amazing thing. Leadership. What an amazing person. And of course, we always talk about the Gettysburg Address, but that, that doesn't impress me. It's one little statement he made. And it was actually made in his second inaugural as, as the war is finally maybe starting to, to wear down. Do you understand that 650,000 people died in the Civil War? In a much smaller, can you imagine having a war today? That's more people than, than Vietnam, Korea, World War I, and World War II put together. Virtually every home in America, north and south, probably had somebody dead. How do you live with that as Lincoln? How do you, how do you get through that? He made this statement in the second inaugural, and he said this. I, I, I think I'm pretty close on the, trans, on the actual words he said. He said, the blood from the lash was paid for by the blood of the sword. That for... Over 100 years, who knows how many African Americans died in slavery. How much blood had been spilt by the lash. But he said it was paid for. 650,000 died. It was paid for by the sword. Lincoln was not a traditional Christian kind of guy, but you, if, as you read him, as he goes through the presidency, he, he, he comes around to understanding God's in charge. How can God be in charge of such a tragedy? Because a price had to be paid for wickedness. What price will be paid for the abortion of How many died because of COVID? What's going on in our world? Oh the, oh, the worst is yet to come. The worst is yet to come. A, a, a price has to be paid. You know, they, they estimate that before the Civil War, that 100,000, 100,000 African-American slaves died trying to escape 
freedom. That hunger for freedom to be out of the bondage. And I'm telling you, I know it's a, we're, we're, we can't just sit there and say, well, those people are just sick. They're just weird. No, you know what? They're hungry for something. And once they discover the reality of Jesus Christ, I believe in the last days there'll be a harvest like the church has never seen before. We'll never see a Sunday with like this kind of attendance. We'll see the doors bursting because people are hungry for what's real and free. And they're coming. How many believe the harvest is coming? 200,000 black soldiers served in the army. That's 10% of the total. 40,000 of them died paying the ultimate price during the Civil War. But the price Jesus paid, the price he paid, Listen, as we describe the different furnitures, one thing we'll describe is the different atmospheres between the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies, where only one man could go. And in the outer court, it was exposed to natural light. It was exposed when it was hot, it was hot. When it was cold, it was. And it was. Can you imagine the blood? Can you imagine the stench of burning flesh and hair? Animal after animal after animal. Can you imagine being the priest that has to do that? Hello to pastoral ministry. Right? <laughs> Stab them and slab them. Okay. I told you mean streak all over me. And if it was raining, you just endured the rain. If it was cold, you endured the cold. If it was 110 degrees in the desert, you endured the heat and the smell and the stench and the animals and the noise and the screams of, of goats and bulls as they died. And ah, Listen, ministry is messy. We give up on people too fast. We expect them to just waltz in here and get saved, and next day they're elders. <laughs> it's a messy business. It's, listen, when the harvest comes in, it's going to be a dirty harvest. It's going to take a lot of work and a lot of counseling and a lot of prayer. Come on, church. Years ago, we talked, he said, the green hairs. Well, the green hair has been here and gone. The, there's a whole different color coming in now. <laughs> they got it. I don't even want to talk about what they do now. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, part of the ministry of the church is in the outer court, the court of the Gentiles. The court where anybody can come. The court where you can come through the gate and, and make your sacrifice and be saved at the brazen altar. The, 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 the bronze, the brass on the altar represents judgment. And it was, it was wood, cover, acacia wood, covered by the brass. 
and the wood represents Jesus' humanity, but the brass represents judgment. And the judgment was paid at Calvary. It's a bloody business, but the price is right. The price is right. I don't know about you, but I can't. I don't know. Is it old age? I don't know. I can't watch the crucifixion on these shows. It's just. I don't even want to talk about it. It's just, that's the Son of God. There wasn't a worse way to die. Oh, what a price was paid. Church, whenever we feel like laying in bed on Sunday morning, remember the price that was paid for you to get here People nowadays, eh, if I come to church once a month, every other month, I'm good. No. Remember the price. If you need healing, don't you think he's willing to heal you? Remember the price he paid. If your loved ones need saving, don't you think he wants to save them? Remember the price that was paid. Come on, am I getting through to anybody? When you feel half-hearted, when you feel discouraged, when you feel like you don't want to go on anymore and life's too hard, remember the price. If he paid that kind of price, don't you think he'll get you through it? Remember the blood that came out of the lamb flows now in you. Life eternal. This is a bloody message. I know it. It's a hot, dirty, smelly, horrible place. But I don't know about you, but I'm willing to step into it. I'm willing to step into people's lives and witness and love on them. Come on, church. We're not called to judge or condemn people. We are called to love this world, to be his arms, to be his legs. Let's go out into the outer court and meet the world and bring them to Jesus. Come on and praise him if you're with me on this. Hallelujah. First Peter 1, and, and, then, and, then, and then I'll let you go. I at you enough. It's interesting that the Old Testament saints lived on credit. Their salvation had not yet been paid for. And they waited for that day. Not even knowing what it was. Remember it says that in Hebrews. But you know what? We don't have credit cards. We've got debit cards. You understand the difference, don't you? You put whatever you want on the credit card. But the money has to be in the bank to use the debit card. Y- y'all know that, right? I mean, <laughs> if you don't, you'll find it out real quick. you got to put money in there. Well, guess what? When he died, he deposited. How many, how many know? He, he knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. 
He's already deposited everything you need. Come on, when he died on the cross, he already knew what you would face today, and he made a deposit to cover it. And he knows what you'll face in the morning, and he put a deposit in the bank to cover it. He knows next week, next month, next year, 20 years. He knows what you're going to go through. He doesn't just know. He can actually see it. He can actually go to the future and be there. Woo! Glory to God. I didn't feel like dancing earlier, but it's starting to come on me. I'm here to tell you the money's in the bank. The blessing's already there. You just need to make a withdrawal. Just make a withdrawal. First Peter 1, worship team, come on. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. You call out to God for help, and he helps. He's a good, good father that way. But, but, but don't forget, he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by with sloppy living. Your life is a journey. Thank you, message. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. It costs God plenty to get you out of that dead-end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood. You know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb, and this was no afterthought. Oh, my Jesus. Even though it has, it has only lately, at the end of the ages, become public knowledge, God always knew he was going to do this for you. Woo. It's because of this sacrifice Messiah, whom God then raised from the dead and glorified, that you that you trust God, that you know you have a future in God. (laughs) Oh, I'm feeling this scripture. Now that you've cleaned up your lives by following the truth, love one another as if your lives depended on it. Your new life is not like your old life. Your old birth came from mortal sperm. Your new birth comes from God's living word. Just think a life conceived by God himself. That's why the prophet said, the old life is a grass life. It's beauty and it's beauty as short-lived as wilderness. Oh, God. Grass dries up. Flowers droop. God's word goes on and on forever. This is the word that conceived the new life in you. Would you stand to your feet? Oh, Jesus. I am suddenly just overwhelmed. Oh, 
Ela la rendra sicuro brontoye. Ela rende sicuro brontoye. And behold and know, I formed you in a spiritual womb before you were born again. I set you up for victory and freedom, and you were born again. Behold, I have been with you. As you matured and grew and discovered who you are as this new creation. And yea, I promise you I will do greater things. And you will be in wonder and amazement at what I will do. <laughs> Behold, I am settling my presence in this place. Lives changed, bodies rearranged, healing, wholeness, freedom, sleep, victory, security. I have already paid for it. It is in your account. Reckon yourselves. Reckon yourself. Reckon, reckon what I gave and begin to draw by faith what I have provided for you. Know my will. Call on my name and I will provide. Saith the Lord of hosts. Now, let's just praise him in this place. Come on, just praise him. If, if you receive these words from the Lord, thank you, Jesus.